Welcome to Vinstitution, public education about education for families, educators, and even students of all ages. Today's section is originally posted on Thursday, July 18th, 2019. It's all about teacher burnout today, and I'd recommend it to current or prospective educators. Over the summer, I've been meeting up with and talking to teacher friends and colleagues, and the topic of discussion always ends up turning to how our schools are doing if we're thinking of moving schools, and sometimes the overall, overall climate of education. This past year in California, and really in the whole country, has given teachers some things to think about. News comes and goes quickly with news stories demanding your attention one after another. But in multiple school districts up and down California, teachers were walking out and striking. This was Oakland, Los Angeles, and New Haven school districts. Last year, there were statewide strikes and walkouts in Oklahoma, Arizona, and West Virginia. In the coming school year, I expect more strikes because there hasn't been particular sweeping systemic change throughout the country. Some places have prevailed, like Oklahoma, gaining some ground with more funding put into education from the state, but I'm not seeing everyone else proactively following suit. From my personal experience, many, even most people these days, including parents and local legislators, are saying they're on the side of teachers and their unions. Of course, my personal experience is fairly skewed, but supporting schools and teachers tends to be the general consensus, since it ultimately supports the children. Yes, that wasn't really the case less than a decade ago when education funding was cut right after the recession, and that's a section for another time. But even if general support for education and educators is now a given, how come teachers need to step out and strike still? Well, to be frank, being a teacher tends to be a fairly miserable job way too often, and it's not getting better by us waiting quietly. Teacher burnout is infamous, not just among the educators, but also the general public. It's a rough job, and pretty much everyone knows it, because you've either been a student yourself, or you're taking care of one. You've seen teachers come and go from year to year, or you've at least heard of it, and it's not an issue that's exclusive to high-need schools in the inner city, or the other side of the freeway, or what have you. The statistics are that more than 40% of teachers quit within their first five years. 8% to 15% of all teachers leave teaching every year, and retiring teachers are a minority of those leaving. Comparatively, Canada and high-performing countries have a 3-4% to 4 attrition rate, according to Linda Darling-Hammond, who is an education professor at Stanford. An NPR article from 2016 said that enrollment in teacher preparation programs has dropped 35% since 2011, leaving 500,000 teachers enrolled there by my rough math. If 15% of teachers are actually leaving every year, then there's as many coming in as there are leaving. So there are shortages now all around the United States, especially in science, math, and special education. I've seen several teachers leaving teaching, with most of them being teachers with less than five years of experience. And I've had a lot more teachers at my school leave to go to other schools. I'm not challenging why they left, to be honest, it's crossed my mind more than once too. I estimate that I work around 50 to 60 hours a week when I add up the teaching time, the prep time that I do when I come in early the time that I stay after school, and the time at home for grading and lesson planning. It gets really tiring when combining how much my students can occupy my day-to-day -day thoughts, too. I worry about the ones that are struggling with reading or math or whatever else in class, and I need to think about what I can do to support them more. I try not to think too much about the kids that have it really hard at home, mainly because I can only do so much for them, and it's gotten to me in the past. I'm always, always thinking about an interaction that I had with a kid in one way or another, that I taught a lesson wrong, and I'm trying to imagine what I could have done better or worse, regretting something that I did because I know that I could have done it better another way. Maybe that's all just me. 
but unfortunately it's not. The teachers that I've worked with that left and even the ones that are veteran and have stayed seem to be having a hard time every year. Maybe not the exact same problems that I'm having. But whether it's an easy class or a difficult class of students, it feels like our job is always just taking too much out of us. The most common issues that teachers struggle with, from all my own experiences, conversations with them, and my reading of a bunch of National Education Association articles, NPR, and some miscellaneous other articles, is that there are sheer piles of unending work that we have, district mandates and standardized testing just looming over us, being stuck alone in our classrooms, compensation, and hostile parents or administration. Those are the main problems. Before I get into any of that, I just want to talk quickly about how all that can be so analogous to so many other careers in other di different fields. Anyone can have an intolerable boss that's never satisfied with your work or really seems out to get you. Doctors and nurses can do work that can be extremely high stakes while not having slept for like 24 hours. Software engineers can feel isolated at work. Police officers can be inundated with desk work. And anyone that's worked in the service sector could probably recount stories of their own worst customers. Something that I've realized the more that I talk to people with other careers is that there's struggle and challenge no matter where you turn. I'll come back to this point later, but the factor that feels separate from a lot of other fields is exactly what defines teaching, the kids. We see them day in, day out, and a lot of teachers push themselves really too far or too much in trying to do what we know is right for our students, but maybe not right for us. It's sort of screwed up because for most teachers, the entire reason that we came here is to work with kids, and it can feel like we're being taken advantage of, as in we can't step away from our jobs because we're committed, so we deal with a salary that's 20% lower than the average of those with equivalent ed education. We teach math using a terrible workbook because the district bought it and told us we have to use it. We go to a meeting to listen about nurturing a caring school culture, then never bring it up again instead of actually being able to discuss it with our colleagues, planning actionable items, and having regular updates. It ends up feeling like we have to put up with everything else so that we can work with our students rather than having a direct concerted effort and having everything geared towards the student all the time. In my current sense of the state of education, we're in a growing crisis of teacher shortages. Many places seem to already be in a crisis with the teacher strikes. In a 2016 interview on NPR that I mentioned, Darling Hammond talks about the data from reports on teacher recruitment and retention. She said places that were like Utah and Arizona are already being heavily impacted, but places that are putting more money into education like Massachusetts aren't doing too badly. Funding was cut when the recession hit in 2008, and it hasn't been brought back to pre-recession figures. When I got into teaching, I knew I wouldn't be well paid, and I accepted it. Between my colleagues, they also don't consider our salary to be a big issue. No one that's quit, that I spoke to at least, that quit teaching, pointed out our relatively low pay as the main reason why they're quitting. It was always the administration, the bureaucracy, the no agency in the classroom sort of thing. It really isn't about the pay. Although when it comes to money, the main problem for me is that schools in general are so underfunded. The current Democratic presidential candidates recently spoke to teachers at some sort of NEA convention, and a few of the big ones said that they would commit to raising teacher salary. And that would be great, but that's not what I need, at least as a California teacher. 
What would be more helpful would be a plan to get more money for school so that they can hire more personnel, support staff, other teachers, so that I don't have to have more than 30 kids in my elementary grade classroom. Make it so that the stories of Oklahoma teachers having to buy all their classes' school supplies no longer happen. I don't know anyone who's in teaching for the money, as long as we're making enough to live and save for the future. The Bay Area strikes, they did make sense because it was an insane cost of living and they didn't have enough to have basic needs met. It would be great if teacher com compensation at least kept pace with inflation. The story for other states is along the same path. They actually barely make a living wage in too many cases. In Oklahoma and West Virginia, and even states that haven't been striking recently like Carolina, Illinois, teachers are making so little that they can struggle to make ends meet. We don't need a lot, we just need enough. Otherwise, we leave for Texas after seeing their billboards advertising better pay, because even though it's not great there, it's at least better. Darling Hammond in another article I read mentioned how teachers in the 90s made more than we make today after adjusting for inflation. We shouldn't need to be worrying about our own livelihoods when we're trying to fulfill the needs of our people's children, at least not from a monetary standpoint. And if we do, if we are preoccupied, then we can't do our jobs properly and may as well leave. Some states and school districts have tried working on the compensation aspect of teacher burnout by pushing out programs to forgive college loans and setting up reward systems for student academic achievement. There are also programs like housing assistance in some California Bay Area districts, stipends for teachers that work at high need, high poverty level schools, and so on. These can all help out, but the tracking of student achievement to earn bonuses does sound pretty dicey. I wouldn't say that salary is a major factor in burnout again, but I would definitely say that the emphasis on testing in the education system is problematic. Standardized testing in itself is complicated, and I won't be going into that for this section. The key point is that attaching value onto how students do for testing makes teaching feel icky. We would be incentivized to teach more to a test rather than to authentically understand and master a concept. It's a cliche that high school and college students would cram for a test and then forget everything else afterwards but that's actually what people do. We shouldn't be pushing any form of that education, much less in elementary school. I remember when I was a kid that we would do test review before the big state test. We'd play Jeopardy or recite math facts and win candy. What can be even worse is that there are punitive consequences if your students don't do well. Some districts set that up. I only read an article from insider.com and also spoke to some other teacher colleagues that talked about how bonuses were given out for test results and I've heard from teachers that came from other states that a teacher whose class doesn't hit average scores or growth on standardized state testing would fall under probation take pay cuts this is something that I haven't really researched too much into yet not from the formal research papers but I wouldn't be surprised if it actually happens and I do trust my teacher colleagues not having autonomy in the classroom is one of the biggest reasons for moving schools or districts that I've heard most often. Overemphasizing test scores would be something that does decrease our sense of autonomy, but it's more common that districts have a curriculum that they expect teachers to use, and this might not seem so bad. For example, take teacher manuals and book sets from Fontes and Pinnell, which is their reading curriculum. These purchases are a lot of money. Think tens of thousands of dollars if you're buying enough for the whole district and maybe even hundreds of thousands if you're buying it for a really big district. 
any district would want students to have also a sense of continuity from year to year, so curriculum gets pushed. This also allows the district to more easily point to how their Common Core aligned if the state comes along to audit or some other issue arises. So on the surface, it makes a lot of sense to have a curriculum for each subject so teachers are on the same page. But sometimes the curriculum that the school district picks is just terrible. Maybe it falls short on being relevant to the district's particular student demographic. Or the work is non-interactive, which could easily be the case in math. Or the texts are just repackaged and stamped versions of old stuff that wasn't worked on and updated. A lot of curriculum out there is just no good. And when districts fail to vet the curriculum and or listen to their teachers that are piloting it, then we're in for a doozy. To best serve our students, we usually will pick and pull from multiple resources. And this is also what teacher prep programs will have us practice. There is no one-size-fits-all textbook that we can read from ver verbatim because a class of students is a class of unique people with different needs. So when teachers are stymied from doing our jobs that we trained for and signed up for, then we're being denied as teachers. Doris Santoro wrote about redefining teacher burnout as demoralization. She basically describes demoralization as continuing to face challenges against doing the work that teachers are passionate about. That includes losing autonomy in your own classroom, excessive paperwork on your grade books and other record keeping, micromanagement by the administration, standardized testing, and so on. The idea behind calling all this demoralization instead of burnout is that burnout puts more blame on the teacher, as in the teacher couldn't handle the stress of a job and balance work life with home life. Demoralization is more redeemable. Some teachers go into teaching and leave because it really isn't what they imagine it to be. While there is so much fulfillment to earn from really making a difference in kids' lives, there's also a lot of grief from the limitations of what we can do for some kids. I can at least save us from working in a high-need school. It's not for the faint of heart. There can also be a lot less autonomy than a prospective teacher might expect. Teachers are good at making things seem normal and fine, even if they're really not. If the work was more aligned to what teachers should be doing ideally, then teachers would stay. And to say that teachers need to just hang in and do their jobs is callous and unreasonable. Teachers want to work with students, and they do try to withstand the stress and strain that comes along with it. When they quit, they haven't failed, but the system has failed them. That's the idea, at least. While I agree with most of that, I also think about how the path forward is murky. For us, there is no choice now but to keep hanging in there and try to push for change somewhere between the steps of the marathon of the school year or call out that enough is enough and then just walk out and try to set a march to our own beat. And neither of those options seems great. Just a few months ago, NPR had an article about how the World Health Organization put burnout into the newest edition of the ICD, which I spoke a bit about in the video game section. The more I think about burnout, I think about how everyone is facing their own challenges, no matter what job they're doing, or how they're employed. The ICD says that Employers have a big role in addressing burnout by attending to a sense of community at work, strong social relations, a collegial environment, a reasonable workload, sense of agency at work, and healthy work-life balance. I think we would all enjoy that, whether we're teachers or not. I hope you're enjoying your summer, whether you're resting up for the next school year, doing PDs, or in a teacher credentialing program right now. Or maybe you're listening in and you're not even an educator. That's all fine. We're all in this together for the kids, and we're always learning. But make sure to take care of yourself before anything else. We can't always do it all, 
and that's okay. This is the institution, and if you want to reach out, you can email the institution podcast at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at institutionpod. New sections will come out as quickly as I can put them out this summer, and I'm planning on figuring out a regular schedule during the school year for listening to on weekday mornings for the drive to school or the drive home. Thanks for listening. Thank you.